to a wild game dinner at a church down the road and uh, I, he was the, the guest there and he he blew my socks off so I had to I had to have him here and uh, you're gonna love him he'll, he's gonna tell you his story he's got a wonderful heart a beautiful spirit and I want y'all to give him a really warm fellowship welcome Chris McDaniel it's an honor to be with you guys this morning amen Lord, we are gathered here in your presence. We're desiring to be filled with your love. Offering our sacrifice to follow your ways. We're longing for your spirit. And how we need your grace. Anybody need that grace this morning? Yeah. 
here is nothing but false evidence appearing real. And I want to tell you, in these last days, because we're there, folks, fear is rising up. But you know what? If you're in the kingdom, we don't have to fear anything because God's kingdom cannot be shaken. Amen? So we just need to get our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I believe He'll see us through. Amen? I said as soon as my doubts and it calms all my fears. And many of the time it's dry. All my tears is a blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power because it reaches to the highest Yeah. 
this joy because 23 and a half years ago I was caught up in the bins uh, in the in the shackles of sin and shame and guilt but can I tell you what my God is a chain breaker amen he's a way maker today so I don't know what kind of stuff's got you bound down but I want you to know who the sun sets free is free indeed amen
Church in Rome, Georgia, uh, Monday night at 6.30, and uh, just going to be speaking a word to the men there. Like about 40 or 50 guys showing up, and we, we're going to have a word just for the men, so I want to invite you there. And then we're going to take off. We're going down 59 to I-65, and we're going to Pensacola, Florida, where we do a men's bar meeting every month, and we're in the 21st year of doing this meeting, and they've had 5,412 salvations through this meeting. Um, so it's been crazy. They got an 800-acre piece of property, and it's a deer refuge. And uh, they've also got a gator pen there. My friend that owns that place, he's the critter getter for Scambia County. And he said, hey, Christian, go help me get a critter. I said, sure. I had no idea he was talking about a nine-foot gator. <laughs> I'll tell you, when somebody tells you to sit on the gator's tail, you just don't listen very good. You know what I mean? But as we go down 65, you know what they call 65? Hank Williams Senior Highway. And I love some, high, I love country music, but I don't love it like I love Jesus today. Amen. But I love it that God can take some old drunk like Hank Williams and rewrite his story and save him and give us a song for the rest of our lives to sing until Jesus takes us home. And I love this little song. Well, I wondered so aimless, life it was sealed, I could let my dear Savior be. Thank you. 
church in here last night. That's all it was. God burst some new songs. And you always want to be able to try your new songs out on your friends and see what they think. And, uh, some of them are a work in progress and maybe you'll get to hear them down the road. But uh, God's given me a different kind of uh, insight to things uh, because I do a lot of things, not just inside the doors of the church. I've got a prison ministry. We wrote a book called Courage for My Life during COVID uh, in 20 and 21. And guys, when it, we finished the book and the teaching series on it, it shipped out to 459 prisons all around the United States. And it already said they knew that. So I want to I show you how awesome my God is. So I went from having, I think I did my last date, I did the North Georgia Men's uh, Conference over in the LJ area. And um, McKay, was it McKaysville? I don't know. It's one of those little towns over there, the big Christian school. And um, we, we were there the March the 14th. We played at the barn on the 12th, drove up here for the thing. And, and man, there was only about 300 people there. And we usually average about 2,000 for this event. And I was like, where's everybody out there? It's this COVID stuff. I guess I've been on the road so much I wasn't paying attention to it. And uh, it, the night was over, and it was the funniest thing in the world. This guy said, uh, hey, Brother Chris, I love your Trophies of Grace shirt. I want one of those shirts, but I didn't bring any cash. I said, just get you one. I said, if you ain't no money, don't worry about it. He said, no, I want to pay you. He said, you see them boxes over there? You can have them boxes if you want. I said, what do I want a bunch of boxes for? He said, well, it's cases of toilet paper. And somebody told me there's going to be a toilet paper shortage. I went, well, how much toilet paper do you have? You got five cases there. He said, Chris, we've got a deal worked out with Dollar General Store. And if one of their semis are wrecked, we get all this stuff because they, they can't sell it if the truck's been wrecked because they pay an insurance price on it. So we are the, we've been the recipients of two semi-trucks full of toilet paper. I said, what does that even look like? He said, well, follow me. I said, hey, boys, come with me. I got my whole band to go. Because <laughs> I went, if they got five cases, we're going to be in a shortage. I'm going to go see what they got. And we went upstairs in this place. They got 40-foot ceilings in this place. They got a hoster up there. That's how big this place is. And, guys, when he opened this door, I'm talking, it's three of these churches deep, 30 foot tall were cases of toilet paper as long as you could say I said hey bud how many of them can I get he said how many can your dear trailer hold I said I don't know we'll find out 
we got 67 cases of toilet paper. And for all you guys that uh, were in toilet paper shortage, it's a shame you weren't at Mount Rachel Baptist Church because nobody in my church suffered one day during this crisis. When God gives good love offerings, He gives weird love offerings. When He makes us, He makes us peculiar. Amen? And I am cheap peculiar right here. So, because I'm in the world doing a lot of different things to share the gospel of Christ, we had a team at Gay Pride Week, you know, down in Pensacola, Florida. They got 300,000 LGBTQTX plus equals minus Zs. I don't even know what it is. But you know what happened down there? 79 homosexuals gave their life to Jesus. They were baptized in front of their peers and walked away from that lifestyle. Well, how do you reach into that? Well, sometimes you got to use laughter. And the Bible says laughter does a heart good. Amen. It's good medicine. And, and I found that, that, that the gift of laughter will take the hardest heart and make it soft. That way the gospel can get right inside and penetrate and pull them out of darkness and bring them into his marvelous light. So do we have any Walmart fans here? I'm glad nobody in this place will raise their hand. This is my kind of church. Y'all might need to sign me up on the roll. I hate that place. <laughs> and let me tell you why. I've got one of them apps on my phone for Regions Bank, and every time my wife goes shopping, I'm like, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming. <laughs> but it, it just about scares me to death because you know what? I went and just picked up some milk and some Sprites and stuff, and I came out and it was $179, and I carried it all in two hands. I went, there's something wrong with this picture. That's crazy. This costs that much money. But um, I was coming back from Searcy, Arkansas, where I'd done a crusade, and God had moved it in power. And we were coming back, and I passed this church sign that said, Walmart ain't the only saving place. And I went, amen to that. There ain't nothing saving about that place. It might be cheaper than some stores, but it still ain't a saving place. And I got back to the house. You know what a man does when they get to their house? They think they own the house because they, they pay the payments and all this. So what I do, I plop down on my couch. I steal the remote from my kids. They're engrossed in this TV show and I change the channels. They're like, Daddy, we were watching TV. Did you not see what? I said, hey, who put the roof over your head? Who feeds that little belly of yours every day? I do. That's who. And if I want to watch TV, I'm going to watch TV. I want to see what's going on around the country. I've been on the road. So, and, and my wife says, give me the remote. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so I give her the remote. And then uh, I go up. I've got a little room that's about as big as this right here upstairs. And it, it's my little office. And i got my computer where I work on my music. I've got a keyboard in there. i got bookshelves with all my Bibles and books in there. And uh, I got up there and I was like, I can't believe I got run off my couch and had my remote taken out of my hand. The nerve of that woman. I'm telling you what. Lord, get her, get her, get her good. <laughs> but I sat down at, at my piano and the Lord gave me an idea. We all like watching the Super Bowl because we like football. But you know what? Sometimes I got some funny commercials on there that kind of stick with us. My favorite commercial of all time, I was a Ray Charles fan and I heard, you got the right one, baby. And I went, boy, that preacher out there too, because if you got Jesus, you do have the right one, baby. Amen. So the Lord gave me a little idea for a song, and if y'all allow me to have a little fun in Jesus' name, I think you might like it. I was sitting in my easy chair just the other night with an RC in my left hand and the clicker in the right. I was flipping through the channels just to see what I could see. There was nothing but commercials. I played on TV and then a revelation. It seemed to come to pass. I jumped up from my lazy boy and I began to shout, Walmart ain't the only saving place. 
and dominoes and livers, but God delivers grace. And you've got the right one, baby. You've got the one that saves. Cause Walmart ain't the only saving place. I felt like I was on a roll, so I just kept on clicking. Everything reminded me his love just keeps on ticking. The Savior gave me comfort and my heart down deep inside. And thanks to God, my soul will never be Kentucky fried. Make safe, make sure, make soft, make found, make free, make safe and sound. His love is supersized by grace, and I'm making him bound. Walmart ain't the only saving place. And Domino's delivers, but God delivers grace. And you got the right one, baby. chicken he'll be happy every day amen so uh, I had to write me a Chick-fil-A verse since I'm going to Chick-fil-A amen well I was getting hungry it's just about summertime the cow said eat more chicken and I thought that sounded fine so I went down to Chick-fil-A to get a tasty treasure that's when I heard that famous line sir that will be my pleasure and then I started thinking one day on heaven shore there's gonna be a supper time with pleasures evermore Walmart ain't the home that's saving place and Domino's delivers but my God delivers grace and it's gonna be my pleasure to see Jesus face to face cause Walmart ain't the only saving place shared stories last night about God's goodness and some of the crazy things I get to see. And um, one of the cool things, I got invited to do this um, inner city ministries thing, downtown Chattanooga on Bell Avenue. And I didn't know where Bell Avenue was. And they, they gave me the directions to where to get there, which of course you do GPS, but I was trying to get my bearings before I got there. And, and I got, I went down Bell Avenue and I looked to the left and that's where they were doing the big, they had the jumpy houses, the stage and all the foods and stuff they were going to be feeding. And there was already about 500 uh, families or kids and families that was uh, congregating in that place before it even started. And uh, I couldn't back down because there were people unloading trucks on the, on the side road. So I went down the road because I can't back a certain way. It's easier for me to back this way than it is this way. So uh, I went down the road, turned around, came back, and the church was to the right. And uh, I was like, man, this place looks familiar. What in the world is going on? Why, why does this feel familiar? And I started getting cold chills like you wouldn't believe. And it was like an eerie kind of cold chill. I went, Lord, what are you trying to show me right now? And I looked at my surroundings. I saw where we were about to do the event. I saw the road that I was going back down when there was trucks there. And I looked to my left. And I saw the road that went up the hill, a little house on the, on the left-hand side, the first driveway. And that's when I really got cold chills. Because that was my drug house for a long time. And I didn't realize it because I would always drive past the church, across Bell Avenue, up the hill, turn left into the driveway. And if one drug dealer wasn't home, up at the top, there was another one at the bottom that always would be there. And when I realized that I was one straight away, one step, a couple of steps away to get to the front of the church where I've always been called to be. Man, it got me right there to know that God would show my ugly life 
And then just right across the street, the joy of the Lord. It got to me. And I just, uh, it reminded me of this old song. And I don't even know if I remember it. I wish I'd worked on it. But down here. Break every stronghold, 
Would you sing that song? 
She asked me to do this. Her eyes got bigger than a saucer. I don't what, what? I'm just kidding. I just want to just play with all this morning. Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, man, the Lord's just showed me so many different ways to go right now. I don't even know which way to follow him right now. Mm. There is a. Mm. I love this. Mm. He 
Jesus today. In a minute, you're going to hear a little bit about my story, but um, I figure we'll have a little bit more fun if that's okay with y'all. Do we have any country music fans here? We got a bunch of you. <laughs> After the service, I'm going to try to line up down. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. We're going to get that out of you. No, just kidding. But um, it was pretty cool. I, there's a church that I, I go to about twice a year called Valley Baptist Church in Searcy, Arkansas. And last, the night before last, Confederate Railroad was there playing. And uh, the lady that I kicked their Celebrate Recovery out about four years ago, she was at the co uh, concert, Dr. Patricia Westfall, and she took pictures. And I said, uh, let me call the road manager and I'll get you backstage and you can go hang out with them. And uh, it's pretty cool. And by the way, Danny on lives like 10 minutes from you guys. He lives in something on the Eagles, something, something, subdivision. But over there in the Dyersville, Dyersville. I played football against the Bears. I'll never forget their nose tackle. Uh, I, I, I was playing center because our center got hurt. They didn't know what to do, so they took the fullback and they put him up front. And uh, I was hiking the ball, and that y'all's uh, y'all's uh, nose tackle spit tobacco on my hand when I was in high school. That's gross. That's that's what I remember about Bears. <laughs> but. Um, we had, we had a good time out there playing, and, and uh, I'm going to share my story this morning, if that's okay with y'all. Uh, I believe it's going to encourage and challenge some people in this place. But uh, we had a song that took us all the way to the Grammy Awards, on, on, and it was called I Like My Women Just a Little on the Trashy Side. And I ain't singing that this morning, because you know what? I'm a redeemed saint of God today, amen? But you know what? Just as God rewrote my story, I decided to rewrite our hit. And I believe you can have fun in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you something. It's cool to, to see them people out there like when we go to NASCAR and we're doing it. They're out there dancing to that song with their beer in their hand. And then when they realize I'm singing about Christian women instead of trashy women, it's like, uh, and they put the beer down. And they stand there and they don't know what to do next. But uh, 
It's a great way. It's a great way to just hook them and bring them on in here. But here's one for y'all this morning. Little, little rewrap. She got daddy wrapped right around there. You know why? Because she just gave me my first grandbaby. I got I got nine month old little Lily got in my mama's swimming pool for the first time yesterday. Ah, ooh, ee, ah, ee. All these I've never heard her make so many noises in my life. Tell them feet got kicking in the pool. And I can tell you, her great great grandmother just was excited to see that. But um, I love my babies and God bless me with a got a 19 year old son. His name he's named after me, Christopher Gage. I'm Christopher Lee. And he looks just like me. He's got real long, blonde, curly hair past his shoulders. Just like me. <laughs> and yeah, we got the same barber. <laughs> they just cut all mine off. And uh, he is, he learned to play piano without asking me how to show him anything. He's like, Dad, would you give me a piano? I said, yeah, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to learn to play. And my kid watched YouTube and he's playing classical music. Blows my mind, jazz. And he's, he's amazing. He's just amazing. But you know what his greatest gift is? It's not bad. It's going to Nanny's pool. He can drink half the water in the pool, and he's got this gap between his first two teeth. He can spit that water 30 foot at you. He don't need a, he don't need a squirt gun. He's got one between his teeth right there. And, uh, and um, if y'all know anything about me with Confederate Railroad, we, uh, I wore this Confederate bandana on my head, and people thought we were racist. There was not one racist person in my band, by the way. Not one at all. And um, I did a ministry in a bar in Rock Spring, Georgia for about four months, just trying to help uh, get this place going. They had some of the best food in the world. And I said, if you won't serve alcohol, I will come in and serve Jesus. We'll serve the Holy Spirit. We'll serve the best spirit they can ever drink in their life. And we just brought radical stories in and, and we shared the gospel. We had 44 people saved through a bar ministry on Monday nights. And uh, one of the coolest things is... Uh, this mother came in and she had this little bitty three-month-old baby, a little mixed baby, 
and she had those, I, I, I call it typewriter jowls. She couldn't keep her jaw shut from all the cracking meth that she was doing. And she cried out for help, and it was pretty cool because I looked around that room that night, and everybody in that room was a voice in my life when I came out of the world and, and stepped into serving Jesus. And I went, Emily, God has set the stage for you. All these incredible anointed people are here to lay hands and pray on you. We got her about two days later into a rehab center in Columbus, Georgia. She only stayed 27 days and got out and came and got her baby back. Me and my wife were going to keep him because nobody in the family, in her family, would keep the baby. And um, and I hate to say this, where I'm from, there is quite a bit of racist, and uh, they wouldn't take that baby in because he was mixed. I'm going to tell you, my granny taught me red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in this. And. Uh, it broke my heart, so we took that baby in, and she came get that baby back out of our house. And we finally found out where she was three days later, and I walked into a crack house down the past the Fet, Georgia. Walked in the door, three big old boys pointed guns at my head, and I said, I'm here in the name of Jesus. I'm getting this baby out of this place, and if I ain't out of here in 10 minutes, the FBI will be all over your property because I got GPS, baby. I got GPS, you hear me? On everything, it's all over me. And they went, well, get that baby and get out of here. And I looked at Emily and I said, if you want to go, there's a place for you too. And she was so high, she said no. So I took Braden out and put him in my car. And six years later, I got to adopt him as my own son. He's my 13-year-old. He's my 13-year-old beautiful, beautiful boy. He can jump over my head and dump a basketball. And he's just 13 and he's got size 14 shoes. He's going to be my retirement package. I don't know if it's going to be the NBA or in the NFL, but my son will be my retirement. I'm claiming that in Jesus' name. We're going to ride on his boat skis of feet. But the Bible says that children are a heritage from the Lord, a very great reward. And we got some babies all through this house, I see. And that's good to see when you got some babies in the house. Amen. But uh, this is a song I wrote, and uh, I'm going to share this. And I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to share it with y'all. But this is another one I wrote, and I just feel like I'm going to do this. Thing. She brushes her hair back as she looks in the mirror. Then she laughs in her style. She just turned seven. It's the age of innocence. Lord, she's only a child. She's dressed in her mom's clothes as she runs to her father's arms. Daddy, how do I look? She stares into his eyes.
suddenly it all turned to fear Cause as a fish flailed wildly He cried, Daddy, please come quickly His father's eyes full of tears And then he falls down to his knees And he gives his thanks to Jesus And said, Lord, I can't thank you enough You gave to me his mom
that you, you can run to the Lord. He is a safe place. Amen. It was your grace that brought
get a short-winded person up here because I want to tell you something. He's worth giving everything you got. He is worthy of all our prayers. Amen. Well, guys, I uh, <clears throat> there is a, there's a scripture in 2 Samuel 18, and um, it's a story that really goes alongside with my story. And there's a, there's a, a son, and he's just like my son Gage. He had this long, long flowing hair. And everybody in chapter 16 and 17, you'll find his name is Absalom. He's the king's son. And the king's son had such long hair, they would cut his hair every year and weigh it. If they did that, they couldn't even get anything on my head to register on the scale. <laughs> but uh, they would weigh it, and then they would have a celebration. And then next thing you know, Absalom starts trying to steal the kingdom from his father. He had this desire, you know, this pride will rise up in somebody. He thinks I can be a better king than my own dad. So he does everything he can to divide the kingdom pretty soon in chapter 18. A civil war breaks out. Now I live up in Rock Spring right on the outskirts of the Chickamauga battlefield. So I know what a civil war does. You can read about the death toll and what happened in this field, what happened in this field. But the stories are amazing. But guys, it said on this day, a battle ensued and 20,000 men lost their life in one day. But 10,000 didn't die by the sword or the spear, but they died by the woods. And I want to tell you something that preached to me. Because I know what it's like to get in the woods. When I was a young boy, my mama... Uh, told me, she said, now Chris, you're home for in service. I want you to call your mama who lived across the street from me and let her know that you're home for the next two days for in service, okay? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And 14-year-old boy, you know what we do? We don't, we don't really do what we say we're going to do sometimes. I woke up that morning and I got me some Captain Crunch cereal. And I'm talking about when I get Captain Crunch, guys, I had one of the bowls that was about that big. And it only made it about two bowls of cereal. I would eat that whole box every time. And uh, my grandmother worked for Quaker Oats. We had all the cereal we could eat. And I got downstairs and I started watching the Beverly Hillbillies and then the Andy Griffith Show come on. And that's just called good living, amen? And eating Captain Crunch, each, watching your favorite two shows on TV. And all of a sudden, out of the left of my, uh, uh, left-hand side, I'm sitting beside our sliding door and I had it open because I just love to hear the birds. And I heard all this racket out there and there were a couple squirrels chasing each other. I went, I gotta go hunting now. So I put my cereal down and I threw me some clothes on, got it on my PJs, and I went tearing through the house trying to find shotgun shells, and I got my Mossberg 410. I loaded that puppy up, stuck shotgun shells down in my pocket, and I went out hunting after them squirrels. And I give, I got one of them that probably about 100 feet from the house, and the other ones are just jumping and going through the woods. So I get out there, and, and I, I ended up getting another one, and I was such a redneck. You know what I do? I pull the tails up through my boot loop so I could carry it. I looked cool. I thought, well, I'm a big hunter now. <laughs> That's what a 14-year-old mind thinks. And guys, I, I found the smartest squirrel in North Georgia, though. I'm talking about, I couldn't get a shot at him to save my life. And I, I kept hearing all these voices and these dogs barking. And I was like, what is all that? That's crazy. And I'm sitting there trying to get this squirrel, so I'm not really paying attention to my surroundings. And, and I pick a stick up, and I throw it on the other side of that tree. And that squirrel popped around. By the time I raised the gun up, he went back, right back around that tree. I thought, man, he's smart. So I pick another stick up, the only one that was around me, and I threw it. He come around, and I couldn't get a shot then. So I was like, what am I going to do now? So I took my shoe off, and I threw my shoe on the other side of the thing. And, and once again, he popped around, and, and I couldn't get a clear shot. And then I threw my shoe to another direction behind the tree, and that thing came around, and I went, pow! And I dropped him. 
I pulled that other squirrel up through there and I went, I got him. And all of a sudden I hear, drop that gun or we're going to blow your brains up. And there's policemen all around me. The Georgia State Troopers, the Walker County Sheriff's Department, and they didn't have dogs at the police uh, departments back then, them drug dogs. They didn't, you know what they had? They had to go to the prison right there, which was only about six miles from our house. So they brought the dogs from the prison down there. And that was the dogs I was hearing barking. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't want to throw my gun down. It's my gun. I'm not going to throw it down on the ground. I've got to respect my gun. But I'm going to tell you what, when you got about 40 pistols and rifles pointed at you, you might obey the police. Amen? And I threw it down. Next thing I know, my handcuffs are behind my back. And they're, they're telling me, you're under arrest for breaking in 28 homes. And we had a string of burglaries around Rock Spring and Noble for a little bit. And they thought they'd finally caught the culprit. They didn't catch a culprit. They caught a 14-year-old boy that was home from in-service that was supposed to call his mama, but he didn't. <laughs> and because I got into the woods in an environment because I didn't tell my mama I was going there, I got the popo called on me. And, uh, and then they pull, they pull me out of the woods. But what I didn't know during this time, my mom calls and says, Hey, Jamie Mae, did Chris give you a call and let you know he's home for in-service? She went, What? Well, he, he can't be home. She said, well, yeah, he's home. She went, Chris is dead, Noel. He's dead. There was a burglar in your house. I saw him run out with a gun. He had to kill Chris. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I called the police. But he's dead. He's just dead. My mama jumps in her car. She's going through. They wasn't the bypass around Chickamauga back then. It was right through the middle of the park. And my mom has a, one of the park rangers follow her all the way to the house because she wasn't stopping until she got home to find out if her, if her son was dead. And she gets to the house to see me coming out of the woods, handcuffed, all these police around him, that feeling. And I, no, I noticed Jack Denny, he was a state trooper and went to church with us. He was standing there in front of our house and he's like, you better get them cuffs off, you better get them cuffs off. And what they didn't know, my mama was like the Tasmanian devil when it came to her kids. <laughs> I want to tell you, you don't mess with her babies. <laughs> She come up and she went off on those policemen. I've never seen a policeman back down in my life like that. Because you don't mess with the ba mama's babies, you know. And uh, they got me out of the handcuffs. But you know what the deal was? When we have disobedience in our life, guys, there's always consequence. And that's what happened. And because of the consequence in this story, Absalom is fleeing for his own life. And the thing that he was known most for, he got caught up in, his hair, his pride. He got caught up, tangled up in a tree. And Joab, the king's commander, catches him. And then it says they put three darts, javelins, swords, spears, whatever. Every translation's got a different word into his heart. And then they cut him out of the tree and they finished killing him. Guys, man, what, a, what an incredible picture of the gospel. There's a disobedient son that gets caught up in his pride. And aren't you thankful for the obedient son? that got caught up in his humility, that went to a tree too, that he didn't go because he got caught up in it. He chose to be on the tree for us. And I want to tell you something. He didn't have no darts put in him. He had seven-inch nails put through his hands and through his feet. And I, they say it was the nails that held him there, but I still believe it was the love he had for you and for me that held him there. Well, guys, I, I saw such a picture of myself. And, you know, I was a Boy Scout. And even as a Boy Scout, if you don't have a compass, you can get lost if you get deep in the woods. There's hunters that go out and hunt, and they get lost in the woods. And I, I don't know what your woods may be. It might be apathy towards the church. 
towards small groups. It could be, you might be struggling with an internet pornography addiction. You might be struggling in an affair. You might be secretly hiding a pill addiction or, or, or a drinking addiction. I don't know what it is. You might be in the midst of an affair. I, I don't know where your situation is. But guys, we've all got woods that we deal with. Sometimes we just don't feel good enough about ourselves. But you know what? We need to read God's Word. It says, if He's for us, who can be against us? I, I, I praise you, Lord, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to take those promises on ourselves and build ourselves up in faith. Well, guys, I, I grew up in the four walls of a church because my dad, I didn't know my real biological father until I was 18 years old. My mother got pregnant while she was in nursing school. She got into the woods of her own. When she left school or when she left home, she was a virgin who had never had a drink in her life, never done nothing. She was a follower of Jesus. My grandmother was a gospel singer that used to go up and open for the Gaither Trio. She, uh, I got to see my grandmother sing with the Gaithers in 1982. And Sandy Patty was a backup singer and Carmen opened the show. And my grandmother was the opening act after Carmen with her little trio. My grandmother didn't need a microphone. She was a letter singer. She stood back and let her fly in Jesus' name. I'm talking about big, big, big voice. But um, she was my true, my American idol. But guys, uh, my mother goes down to nursing school in Atlanta, Crawford Long, and she ends up pregnant. And the world screams, have an abortion, get rid of this child. I'm glad my mother did the right thing and had a baby. And Jeremiah 1.5 says, uh, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me and he set me apart. And I, I believe that with all my heart. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not a mistake standing in front of you. There might have been a mistake on my mother's part. But God always works things together for His good and for our good. Aren't you thankful for that? His glory. But uh, I, uh, I grew up in the four walls of a church and was living in my grandmother and grandfather's house for the first few years of my life. Then my mother falls in love with the Walker County Sheriff Deputy. One of them same goomers, I guess, that arrested me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But my dad was, uh, he was working there for about seven years as a Walker County Sheriff Deputy, going to school to become an engineer. And he ended up working at Combustion Engineering for years. But um, he adopted me as his own son. And you know what the cool thing is? Once you've got a blank place and that man puts his name on the on the dotted line, do you know, you kids, you, y'all need to listen to me. If you disobey your parents or your grandparents, do you know they can disown you? They can kick you out of the family. But if you've been adopted into a family, there's no court in the land that can overturn that ruling. That's a pretty cool deal right there. Do you realize that's the same way it is in the kingdom of God? Once you are firmly in His grip, there is nothing, there's no demon in hell that can pull you out of the grip of my Father's hand. That's a good, good God. Amen. Guys, I grew up. I grew up listening to the word. I grew up in. But just because you're in the in the church, you know how many people that are in the church. And Billy Graham says he believes with all his heart. Maybe, maybe one third or a quarter of the church that goes to church every Sunday might make it to heaven. Because most of us have got caught up in religion. We've got caught up in tradition. But there is no evidence of a living relationship of Jesus in our life, where He is the Lord and the leader of our life. And uh, that, that that's a scary thought. But you go to Matthew 7 and it, it will echo that. It says many, many will say, uh, Lord, 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 this is what we did in your name. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't want to hear those words. I want to hear, enter in my good and faithful sermon. Amen. But man, I, uh, I, grew, I grew up in the church. And guys, I was 14, almost 15 years old. We had an evangelist come to our church and preach the gospel. We started on Sunday night. It was the first revival we'd ever had at our little country church, Center Point Baptist and we have this guy come in. He didn't need a microphone either. He could blow the back doors off the church with his big old voice. And he preached on sin. 
And guys, everybody here in this place, we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of God's glory. There's none righteous, no, 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 no not one. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, what we earn for our sin, for what we do, earn from doing wrong, is death. And you know what? God wants to give us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's, here's death by our own choice, but if we'll just surrender our life to Jesus and live for Him, totally surrendered in our life, man, we've got an eternity and abundant life here on this earth. I believe with all my heart because I've been living it for 23 and a half years. But, man, I, uh, I, I came down uh, that day. The, the invitation was given, and I didn't come down that first day, even though the Lord pointed, pinpointed, this is what you've done. You've stole apple bubble gum when you were at the five and dime store. You've told this lie to your mom. You told your, this lie to your grandmother. Man, God got me in that sermon, but I didn't move. I didn't come to the altar to, to repent of my sins and trust Him as Lord and Savior. But you know what the cool thing about a revival is? You get to come back. Amen. And I got to come back the next night. He preached hell as hot as it could be. And I'm telling you, everybody in the place was sweating. And I was too because I knew that I was, a, I was a sinner. I never robbed a bank. I never killed nobody. But I knew the sin that I had committed. And man, you would think the, just the mention of hell would bring you running to an altar where you can be saved and changed. But for some reason, I didn't do it. But I found out something. Once the Holy Spirit starts convicting you of your sin, if you don't do something about it, you're going to toss and turn. You're going to bust is what's going to happen because you cannot deal with it. You can't handle it. And man, I sit and toss and turn all night. Couldn't wait to go back the next day. And I love it that he preached a love story. See, I've been loved. been loved by my parents. I had a man love me enough to adopt me as his own son. And now because of what my dad did, I got to be the adopter of his son too. I've been twice adopted myself. But man, I... I, I came back and they preached a message on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That preacher, you know how we got points in the sermons? He had four points. And I loved it because they were all C's. And I was like, well, I can do this. I'm a C. I'm a Chris. That's who I am and I need to be a Christian. And uh, so I listened to this man's message and he talked about the calls and everybody here under the sound of my voice, you're His calls. He loves you. The Bible says, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That's an incredible cost that He shows. I told you about my babies. I love my babies. My little girl, she sang on my CD. She goes, I sing because I have And I sing because I flee. Y'all flee out there today. His eye is on his stable. And I know he watches me. Tears my heart out. But the Bible says, while I was yet a sinner, Christ would die for me. What an incredible cost. There's a condition. What are you going to put your faith and your trust in? If you put it in your job, your spouse, your good looks, your home, guys, it's all going to fail you. It's all going to turn to dust and rust. But I want to tell you something. If you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ, not only will you be saved from, uh, from hell, but you can have joy. That's the cool thing about Jesus. I traded my junk for His joy. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one God, one mediator between God and man. The man Jesus Christ who gave Himself as an exchange for all men. So you can bring your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, as we say in Celebrate Recovery, and you can turn them in for health, hope, and healing. That's a good, good God that does that. And I heard about the consequence of our sin, which was hell the night before. And when I heard about the gift of God, His love, His grace, His mercy over my life, 
the blood that was shed to clean me up. Isn't it funny you can take red blood, apply it to black sin and make it white as snow. Only God can do that. That don't work out in colors. If you like to take color crayons and move them all together, that don't ever work out. But I'll tell you what, with God it does. And guys, I, uh, I came down and I knelt my knees and I knelt my heart before a holy God and I invited Him in my life to become my boss and my Lord and my Savior. I want to tell you, I, I was all in. I started taking piano lessons from Jewel Wallace, our pianist, our organist at church. So we'd have a piano player because we had a lady. She'd go and play in two keys. So that kind of limited what we could do. So I learned from Miss Wallace about six months later, I could play as good as about anybody in the church. And, and God blessed me that gift to hear and to be able to do it. Well, guys, we were singing songs like back then, like, It only takes a spark to get a fire going. That's what our youth choir did back then. That was that was a Chris Tomlin of back then. But, uh, man, I love going around to different churches and singing with my youth choir, playing at my church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. We even did Bible leagues through our church. So my whole life was encircled around the Lord and church. But guys, I would get into high school at Gordon Lee High School where I'd be, I'd be a three-sport athlete. I was an all-North Georgia in football for three years. And man, I loved it. I, I loved it. I, I'm an all-or-nothing guy. Every, I put everything, I only weighed 180 pounds and led the state of Georgia in my junior year in tackles. I, I was a pretty tough little guy at 180 pounds. But guys, music was my love. It wasn't football. It wasn't anything else. And I was thinking, Maybe I can go to college on a scholarship. And I got offered one to Shenandoah Conservatory. But I went up there, and do you know what I saw? I thought I was in California because it was the land of fruits and nuts. There were more homosexuals at that college. And I went, this ain't the place for this country boy. I'm going back to the house. I'm going on the road with this band that had a bus from Saudi Daisy. My daddy said nothing good ever come out of Saudi Daisy, son. He said they led the nation in car theft per capita for 17 years in a row. Do you want to get known for hanging out with somebody like that? I went, Daddy, it's a bus. They're a good man. He said, well, he said, there's a way that seems right into a man and in the end it leads to destruction. You want to do that? I said, well, Daddy, I, I'm a Christian. Jesus will take care of me. He said, well, son, are you, you sure? If you're going to go, you better seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and let everything in your life fall into place. I said, Daddy, I'll do that. And guys, I boarded that bus and it should have been a sign of things to come. We were called Danny Shirley and the Crossroads Man. And you know what? We broke down 17 miles outside of Ringo, Georgia. Almost made it to Calhoun. And, uh, uh, and we're sitting there and um, we had to get some more duct tape and put that bus back together. And guys, we hit the road and made it down to Sanford, Florida, our destination where we were going to be two weeks playing at this nightclub. And I remember calling my mother about a week and a half out. I went, Mom, these are the wildest guys I ever saw. They drink. I've never seen people drink. They'll throw up, Mom, and then continue drinking. I said, Mom, they're, they're disrespectful to, to women. I said, Mom, you didn't raise me like this. She said, Honey, I'll send you a bus ticket. You can come home. And that's where Danny wrote that song, A Bible and a Bus Ticket Home. Well, guys, I did take my Bible on the bus. And I, I did read it for two weeks. But after the second week, I put my Bible away and I had my first drink. My guitar player had to stay up with me all night to make sure I didn't die in my own vomit because I drank 23 mixed drinks. And that stuff would just make you sick. And you would think I'd quit after that. But you know what I did? I abandoned everything I knew and everything that I knew was right. And I started plunging into that lifestyle. And guys, I stepped into the woods of my own making. And uh, because the environment had alcohol, had women, had, had pornography, it had everything, I dove face first in the middle of it. Uh, I, 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 was not, I was not good. And guys, we were a good band, though. 
We were playing nightclubs. We were getting booked. We were booked 50 weeks a year. And then we became David Allen Coe's band. And uh, we also became Johnny Paycheck's band. So pretty much if you got out of prison could play guitar, we were your band. And these guys were country music legends, so it started opening bigger doors for us. And then we signed a record deal, and we became Confederate Railroad. And thanks to good country music fans, man, we sold six million records out of the gate with our first album. We had six singles, two number ones with Jesus and Mama and the Queen of Memphis. And then we had that song, Trashy Women, that took us to the Grammy Awards, where Liza Minnelli stepped on my toe. I was in High Cotton and Radio City Music Hall seeing all these other stars there. It was like, wow, what are we doing here? We're from North Georgia. I didn't know this could happen. But guys, I mean, God was blessing us in such a, a way, and we didn't even deserve it. And, and man, I, uh, um, we, we ended up having about five albums while I was out during that time. We also were nominated for the, a devil one for Christian Country Music Song of the Year with Jesus and Mama Always Loved Me, even when the devil took control. So, man, we were, we were getting all kinds of accolades. Man, I started making more money than I could do. Uh, just even think how to spend it. Matter of fact, I was dating Miss Arkansas. Had my arm around her in a picture when we bought our first boat. We're standing there. And then when I finished, I turned around looking at the boat. And I went, i got to go buy a truck. I've got a sports car. I don't have nothing to pull the boat to the water. And I won't go to the water. So I had to buy a boat, the same, a truck the same day I bought a boat. That's what happens when you get into the woods. You don't think. You make choices, and, and, and those choices bring some crazy consequences. So I kept putting myself further in debt with everything I did. Guys, I, I invested my money in some crazy things that was, there was no return in. And guys, finally, uh, I, met my, uh, I met my biological father, and he introduced me to my biological brother. And come to find out, he was tied to the cartel down in Florida. And the guy that used to drive up and down the road on a bus, a tour bus with Confederate Railroad, I would store packages of cocaine up here and I'd bring them to the outlaw's motorcycle came. And next thing you know, it would be dispersed everywhere. I wasn't doing it for the money or I did it for the thrill because I got in the woods. I got in a place that I didn't, I didn't belong in, a place that was not for me. I mean, I was doing things that I, I'm so ashamed today of what, what I did. It was crazy. But my brother finally died from an overdose. And he only did an nth of what I did. Um, when my brother died, guilt and shame, confusion, chaos was in my life. It took me two years to hit my bottom. Finally, October 18th of 1999, I've been up for five days and I've been scared of the shadows in the wall in my house. I, I, was, I, I was doing seven to 10 grams a day at that point. And if anybody knows anything about that drug, one gram of pure cocaine can kill two people. And I was doing seven to 10 grams every day of it in my life. That's how bad my tolerance was. I had a Glock stuck down my belt, an automatic weapon in my right hand, two ounces of cocaine and a favorite market cup. And I would, every time the wind would blow and the shadows would move on the walls, I would about jump out of my skin. Finally, I passed out from exhaustion. I've been blowing blood out. I've got a hole through my nose. That I, I do school assemblies today when I go do revivals and crusades or we're trying to do a big youth event. I'll go into the local schools and I'll put a lock through my nose or I'll take somebody's glasses off their head and I'll slide them through my nose. That's how big the hole is in my nose. But guys, it, it gave me a bigger hole in my life. And man, everything was falling apart. And when I woke up, I've been blowing the blood out my big fancy garden tub in my house. And when I woke up, I was matted to the floor in my own blood pile. And when I tried to get it, my, the carpet was stuck to my face. And so I finally ripped it. And when I did, it went whoosh. And I pushed myself up. And I looked into, we had mirrored closets back in the 80s and 90s. Anybody else have them? We, we did. That's, that was just cool closet doors, those little trifolds. Well, I got up and I saw 
this person that I didn't even recognize looking back at me. Man, I realized how far sin had taken me. And I, I fell down on the floor and I began to weep like a little baby. He crawled up in, in a fetal position, just rocking and weeping. And uh, I crawled over to the telephone. And back then we didn't have the mobile phones where we can do whatever we want to. We had them phones with 200 foot of cord where you can walk three stories and never lose connection. You know, up and down the stairs, you just pull that cord everywhere you went. So I knocked that telephone off and I dialed 866-0126 and that help was coming my way. That was my mama. And then my mama called my nana. My nana came. My mom's a, a businesswoman, so she starts making telephone calls because she wants to get me out of the woods of my own making to get me into a rehab center. But see guys, I'd already been to rehab twice before. Rehab don't work. Rehab works for some people, but it don't work for me because I need something greater than the higher power of the God of your own understanding. There's only one higher power. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You cannot come to the Father who is in heaven unless you go by me. I want to tell you, He is the only higher power. And I finally, uh, my, my grandmother gets there and my mom's making telephone calls trying to get me in rehab. You know what my nana did? She crawled up in a bed and started praying Psalm 91 over me. That's the prayer of protection. And when you're in an unsafe place, now you understand why I like to sing about the safety of the Lord. Because when you've been there and you've tasted and seen that God is good, you can't shut up about it. Because I love to be safe today. And I'm safe, sheltered safe in the Lord and Master's arms. And uh, I... Uh, my grandmother prays this prayer and my mom finally gets a rehab on the telephone. It was called Cumberland Heights in Nashville, Tennessee. And I went up there and met Dr. John Nishay, one of the greatest godly men I've ever met in my life. It was a secular rehab, but they had chapel services there. And he went, I heard you're the piano player with Confederate Railroad. Would you play for us? And I said, well, I will. Just don't make me sing. I don't have any heart. He said, will you play? I said, yes, sir. And I played while I was in rehab. And I was doing so good. I was learning so much about what addiction does. And it, it, they gave me toolboxes so I could fight against any addiction that would ever rise up in my life. And uh, so I'm, I'm learning and I get a pass because I'm doing so good. And they let me go home. I called my mom. I said, Mom, will you come get me? I'm getting to come home for the weekend. She said, really? Do you want to stay with me? And I went, Mom, I'm a grown man. If I can't make it one day at my house or two days at my house, there's no hope for me. And, and my, my mom, my mom said, where are you going to go, Chris? I said, Mom, I'm going to go to that church, that church that would come and knock on my door. I said, they came for the last two years, every Tuesday night and beat on my door. So I want to go to that place and see if they're real. She said, okay, do you want me to go with you? I said, no, Mom, I'll do it by myself. Well, guys, I walked in the doors of Bayside Baptist Church in Harrison, Tennessee. And I want you to know, I didn't, I didn't have no church clothes at the time. I had a shirt hanging out. I had blue jeans with all them rhinestone-looking things. That was my best pair of jeans. I had, I had some real fancy cowboy boots I wore. Uh, I had a ponytail down my back. I had earrings in my ear. And uh, I walked in the doors of the church. I think I was trying to set myself up to see if they'd be ugly to me. But you know what them people did? They loved me just the way I was. They made me feel like I was right at home. And I sat down in the pew, and I looked up, and they had a band on stage. They had drums on stage. They had keyboards and guitars and bass guitars. They had an orchestra over there. They had these people that come out and they sang praise and worship music. And, and they had a choir that was about 150 people. And man, the worship was so awesome. They were singing songs like Shout to the Lord All the earth let us sing. I was crying like a baby. 
And man, then the choir stood up and sang, Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. And when you've been in an unsafe place, when you've been in the woods, you need a shield around you, my friends. And man, I used to sing this song about the armor of God when I was in school, when I was in church. But you know what, man? I never put on the helmet of salvation. I didn't pray that on one time when I went on the road. And you know what it'll do? It'll protect your eyes, your ears, your mouth from what you'll speak, what you'll hear, what you'll see. The breastplate of righteousness will protect every issue that comes out of your heart because all the issues of life come from our heart. The belt of truth holds us together. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I wasn't in, I wasn't in peace. I wasn't walking in the shoes of, of the gospel of peace. I was walking in fear and trepidation of every step I was taking. I hadn't taken up the shield of faith to protect myself from every dark the enemy would throw my way. And I had put my Bible in a suitcase and put it on a shelf and it had about that much dust on it. I'm not, I'm not bragging, guys. I, I'm ashamed because I was a believer that turned my back on God and I went into the woods. I was at the Father's house just like Absalom was. I was at the Father's house just like the prodigal son was. But we always think it's something better out there on the other side. But I want you to know this world will fail you. It'll drop you in your face. And you'll look, even though your mother and father forsake you, God says, I'll never forsake you. That's a good, good God. Amen. Well, guys, I... I, I, I sat there and I, I listened to this man. Uh, he got up and said, well, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't preach while well, I worked on 25 hours. Man, I wrote a really good message. <laughs> and you never heard preachers say, I wrote a really good message. They don't want to pat yourself on the back. He said, you just don't know. 25 hours on this word and God won't let me preach it. And he went back to this big old fancy chair. And I called it his throne chair because I'd never seen one of those big old fancy chairs. He put his notes down. He didn't have an iPad like preachers do today. He had, he had, his, he had his Bible and everything. And he, he walked up there and laid everything down. He said, I think this is where we're going to go. We're going to read out of Jeremiah 29. We're going to start verse 11, go through 13. And I want you to put your finger in Luke 15, starting at verse 10. We're going to come from those scriptures this morning. And I'm going to preach a message, your plans or mine. Which is it going to be? And I'll say, that's good. And uh, he said, the Lord has told me there's somebody here. They're, if they were a cat, they're on their last life. And if you don't surrender your life to Jesus, I want to tell you, I don't know if you've got, got a day, but Jesus has got marvelous things in, in order for somebody here. And I'm sitting there going, boy, that's going to be cool for somebody. That's awesome. And man, when he came out of Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm a Celebrate Recovery pastor. Everybody in Celebrate Recovery loves that scripture because it says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. My plans, they are to prosper you. They're not to harm you. They're to give you a hope and they're to give you a future. I want to tell you, I'm ADD if y'all haven't figured that out. I, I can have nine conversations and finish every one of them with myself. But man, I, I heard that scripture and I went, my plans, I sold six million records. I got a beautiful house here. I got one in Teleco. I got boats and jet skis and motorcycles and, and cars and trucks. And then I went, wait a second. Truth be told, I'm two months behind on everything I own because my cocaine addiction is about eight my lunch. And then I was like, my goodness gracious. Man, there's no hope and future in the way I'm living. And I missed verse 12, processing verse, uh, verse 11. And then, then verse 13 came in. And 13 is usually an unlucky number. But if it's in God's Word, it ain't unlucky, folks. It says, if you'll seek me, you will find me. When you seek for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. And I'll bring you out of captivity. And I'll restore your fortunes. I want you to know my fortunes don't look the same today. They ain't all that silver and gold. But can I tell you, it's sweeter honey than I've ever had. I got the love of God that 
leads me and guides me and fills me and spills me everywhere I go. I got a beautiful family. I got friends I can count on. A church that supports me worldwide. Man, I mean, God has just blessed us so much. But man, I, I want to tell you, when I heard that scripture, I got happy. And then he went to the prodigal son story. And I knew that preacher was reading my email. Man, at the end of that message, the son had left, ended up in the pig slot because he went through everything he had. I saw my life there. But the deal was the son had a come to Jesus moment. Man, my father's servants got it better than I do. They got three square meals. They got a roof over their head. They, they ain't lacking for nothing. I think I'm going to go back to my father and ask him if he'll let me be a servant. But can I tell you what? It's great if you got a servant's heart and you want to serve. But I'm going to tell you, there ain't no servant. Got it. When you're a son, you're a son. And that son came back home. And this is when you know because the father's always waiting. A good father is always waiting on those prodigals that run away. And man, from a long way off, he saw his son coming. And he ran to him. And he knocked him down and kissed him on the neck. And, and the son tried out his best speech. Oh, father, just make me like a servant. He said, hush up. I want the servant. Come here, the servant. I want you to bring me a ring. I want him to realize he's still my son. I want shoes on his dirty feet. I want you to cover him with a robe because my son don't have to feel like he's naked and alone. I want him to know I'll cover him because he's my boy. He said, I want you to kill the fatted calf just like all y'all killed something and brought it in here for this dinner today that I'm going to partake of in a big, big way. Amen. I'll come when there's fried chicken. But, uh, man, and it said they began to celebrate. Well, guys, there have been no celebrating in my life. Here I've sold six million records. I've got the most beautiful girls that you've ever seen in your life in my life. I've got everything that every man would ever want. But when it all boiled down to it, it was nothing. I needed an intimate, close relationship with Jesus where I never take my eyes off of Him. Because, guys, if you do, you're going to be just like Peter. You're going to sink. But I'm going to tell you something. God will reach down to where you're at. He'll pull you from the muck and the mire. He'll pull you from the depths of the ocean to let you walk on water. And I want to tell you, I'm a water walker today. My faith, we've prayed over a girl that had AIDS and God has healed her. We prayed over a pudgy Albertson who died at Liberty Baptist Church was dead eight minutes and 33 seconds. And God restored him and brought him back to life. His story was, I was, I was born and one day I was going to die. And then I died to myself so I could have Jesus. And, and, and then I lived for him for seven weeks. And then I died in the church. And then God brought me back to life. And until he takes me home, I'm going to live and declare the glory of the Lord. And you know what? I got to preach his funeral, but he preached his own funeral. When you when you get to live a life like that, it's amazing. But guys, I've seen things that you can't wrap your minds around your mind around. But myself, I had to get in a place where I was ready to surrender. And when they gave the invitation that day, they asked everybody to stand up, bow their heads and close their eyes. And when I did, man, I've been crying for the whole service. The worship music was powerful. The, the choir was powerful. The preaching was powerful. And I was as weak as I could be. But aren't you thankful that our weakness, His power can be made perfect? And man, I bowed my head as they gave that invitation. And it had been a long time since I really prayed a sincere prayer. It used to be, God, if you'll bring me down from the, the, the heights that I'm at in this drug addiction, I, I won't ever do it again. And I'll be doing it the very next day. But this time I was serious. I wanted what God had for me. And I wanted to walk away from everything that I built for myself because my castle didn't smell good, didn't look good, didn't feel good. So man, I bowed my head and said, God, I believe with all my heart that you have set me up since I walked in this door. And if you've got a plan to turn my life around, if that's me, that preacher's talking about, God, I need your help. 
would you please help me, God? Please, I'm stuck. And guys, John 10, 10, the thief says, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know what he did? All the good things inside my head, all the ugly things inside my head, he pushed down into my shoes. I felt like I had cement boots on. And I, and I was like, they got to come off. And I said, God, please help me. And you know what God does? He answers prayers, folks. He still answers prayers today. I don't know where you're at today. He'll answer your prayer if you'll come down and talk to him. He's just waiting to have a little talk with you. But you know what? He sent an 87-year-old saint named Evelyn White to me. Evelyn White was from Birchwood, Tennessee. That's where I was at last Sunday night. And Evelyn White walked over to me on her walker. She broke her hip. And she gets over to me and she tapped me on the hand. She said, honey, are you okay? I've heard you cry for an hour and 15 minutes. Are you all right? And she said, can I do anything for you? I went, ma'am, I don't know. I said, I was a country music star. My name is Chris. I said, ma'am, I've blown my fame, my fortune. I said, my friends won't take my telephone call. My family's ashamed of me. And I said, ma'am, I'm ashamed of myself too. I've really made some bad choices in my life. I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm so caught up in bondage, you, you can't even believe. I said, ma'am, I, I, I'm just, I'm in a really bad place. And man, that's when that woman stood up like a giant. And she went, oh no, you're not in a bad place, boy. Today, you're in the fixing place. You're in God's hospital. I want you to know something. Tomorrow, i got to go get my hip checked on. They did a surgery on my hip. i got to go meet with my doctor. My appointment's at 8.30 in the morning. You know what time that goomer will probably send me? Probably about 9.30 or 10. That's what them doctors do in the, in the doctor's offices. They make you wait. But the doctor that's here, son, he's been waiting on you. And I believe with all my heart, God sent me over here to help you. Do you want some help? My eyes got that big. She went, she said, what's wrong, Chris? I said, man, you ain't going to believe this. She said, what? I said, I just asked God for help. And you, you, you're, you're here. She said, God sends help in funny packages, don't you, buddy? <laughs> and I want you to know when she grabbed me by the hand, all of hell was broke off of me. I stepped out of the pew of my pew. And man, when I got to the aisle, I'm telling you what, I, could, I wanted to run to that altar. I wanted to dive into that altar. But Evelyn White wasn't going to let go of my hand. She brought me down. I thought she was going to hand me off to one of them preachers down front. But she didn't, guys. She got me down to the altar. She moved that walker out of the way. And she crawled down in the floor with me. Because that's what people of God do. They get down on the ground with their brothers and sisters. And they encourage them, man. And she got down and prayed for this old sinner boy. And can I tell you what? I sit there and I probably repented for two hours is what it seemed like because I had done so much. Everything God brought to mind, I, I put under the blood of Jesus. And guys, when I stood up, I want you to know, I felt like I was going to fly right then. I had so much joy. I walked over and Bob Stitz, who was the pastor at the time, he sit there. He went, son, are you okay? And I just started jumping up and down in the church. I went, yes, sir. I'm better than I've ever been in my whole life right now. He said, I believe this boy just got free. I believe with all my heart God just set him free. And I believe he's going to go to heaven if he don't shoot right past it. And he may do that. He said, I've never seen nobody jump in a Baptist church. This is the first for Bayside Baptist Church. And I was. I just sat there jumping like a happy rabbit. But I'll tell you what. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Guys, that was 20 three and a half years ago that I walked out of the darkness and I found the glorious light of Jesus. I found a God that would erase the deepest of my sin and man, He would build me up and make me into a man of God. And I want you to know, I, I'm not saying that I'm not void of some issues in my life. 
I'm going to tell you this. In 2018, my wife had an affair on me. But instead of divorcing my wife, you know what the Lord told me to do? You wash her feet just as I washed the disciples' feet. You go to the neighbor that she was with. You wash his feet just like I washed the disciples' feet. And you watch what I'm going to do. God restored my family. He saw my kids go, man, that's what, I, that's what my daddy did. If my daddy can do that, I can forgive anybody too. And then when I did it to my neighbor, his wife had already so, served him with divorce papers. And you know what? He was an old drunk. And that old drunk got saved. And when he got saved, his wife got saved. Then his daughter got saved. That's what happens when forgiveness hits the house. Amen. Well, guys, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you we're without void of issues. But I want to tell you something. He's faithful. He'll walk with you. He'll love you. He'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy. He'll give you a new name written down in the scrolls of heaven. When they open the book, they can see your name in there if you'll just surrender all you are and you'll come out of the woods of your own making. And I believe with all my heart there might be somebody here that's in the wrong environment in your life. Only you know where you're at. I don't know. God knows. By the way, you can't hide it from me. You can try to shove it in the closet. You can try to peek at it on the internet. God sees everything you do. And He knows everything you think. So if you've got stinking actions or you got stinking thinking, today is a day where you can lay it down at this altar and you can exchange it for the hope, the health, and the healing of Jesus. And if you're here and you've never called on the name of the Lord and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call on in the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And you know what my favorite call on the name of the Lord is. One of my guys at Walker State Penitentiary, he's got one word on his arm, tattooed on his arm, and it's this. H-E-L-P. Help. And I put that on my Facebook page, and I went, this is a call to God. This is what I saw one of my inmates. It got 2,000 hits because somebody, and you wouldn't believe it, folks, we got to lead to the Lord because of one tattoo on our arm where this guy said, I need your help. I want you to know he's known as the helper. He's known as the comforter. He's known as the peace giver. He's known as the savior. And today, he wants to be your Lord. But you've got to turn your life, your will, your sin over to Jesus. Let it be covered by the blood. By the way, it's always taking blood for the forgiveness of sin. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, what did God have to do? He had to kill an innocent lamb where the lamb and the lion could play together. He had to take the life to cover their sin. It didn't end there. The people were in bondage in Egypt. And the Israelites are sitting there, oh, what are we going to do? God sends them a deliverer named Moses. And Moses comes and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. Ten times, plague after plague after plague. The last plague, he said, I'm going to kill every firstborn male all throughout Egypt, but, uh, through Israel and Egypt. But if my people who are called by my name will kill an innocent lamb, put the blood over the doorpost when the, when the enemy comes over, the death angel comes by, he'll pass by and save that family. Do you see the progression in the garden? One lamb saved one man. Right there, one lamb saved one family. It didn't end there. Pharaoh lets the people go. They get to the Red Sea. And then Moses, 
He, he, he gets them through the Red Sea. They walk. They don't even get their feet wet or muddy. They get to the other side, and, and God drowns the enemies in the Red Sea. And then he says, I want to tabernacle with, their, with my people. Build me a tabernacle, and I'm going to dwell in the Holy of Holies. And I want you to know, my goodness, do you know the cool thing about the Ark of the Covenant? There was manna in there, guys. There was a stick that budded. Do you realize that nothing can die in the presence of the Lord? That's that's pretty cool right there. And man, they get there, and he said, I want the priest to kill an innocent lamb and put the blood over the Ark of the Covenant every year for the forgiveness of the entire nation of Israel. Guys, that's awesome. The progression. One lamb saved a family. One lamb, a lamb saved a man, then a family. Then the entire nation of Israel. But we would have no hope because there ain't one Israelite up in this church. Not one of us. But when it gets to John, and Jesus walks up and John's baptizing, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the entire world. Guys, that's where we can find our hope. And today, if you've never had the blood-soaked banner of Jesus Christ cover you and cover your sin, Today is the day of salvation for you. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place. If the Lord has been talking to you through any part of this, through a song, through my story, through the redeeming story of what He's done in my life, I hope you realize He'll meet you right where you are. But you've got to give Him your life. And if you'll give Him your life, He'll give you His life. And His life is peace, love, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what true abundant life is. And guys, I'll tell you, if you miss it, you're not promised even another breath. I do funerals every week of addicts that die. But I'll tell you what, if you get in a car and you're going home and something happens on the way and you're not, you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will not inherit eternal life. You will be going to a place that I talked about earlier called hell. But you don't have to. God has a heaven for you. So all through this place, if you'd like to call on the name of Jesus, I want to give you that chance. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it. But today, I repent. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you for your forgiveness, for your love for your grace and mercy over my life. From this day on, I will live my life as your child. I will never look to the right. I will not look to the left. I'll keep my eyes on you and let you lead my life from here on. Thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you that the grave could not hold you. And because of my choice today, it won't hold me either. I will live eternally in heaven with you. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just pray that prayer, I don't want nobody move for the next one minute. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, you meant business with God. You meant business. Would you just look up at me? I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. But Romans 10, 32 and 33 says, if you'll confess me before uh, men, the Lord Jesus, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you will not confess me before men, if you reject me, I will reject you in front of my Father who is in heaven. So if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you look at me just so I can pray for you? I just want to encourage you in that. Anybody here? Amen. Or with the family of God. Well, everybody stand. We're going we're gonna to do a song of invitation, and you guys just respond to the way God speak to you.
There's a old man just down the street who needs a helping hand. He's lost inside his empty house, thinking no one understands. Down at the school, a desperate teen looks hopelessly for love. She doesn't know there's one who cares, there's hope in God above. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, come on. Let y'all do Come on, Pastor. Your body, Lord, you know, by your service. In the sweetest name, I know, my Lord and my son. 